Hey, all you mamas and papas, looking for diaper bags and accessories that fit your modern lifestyle? Then check out CammieandKel.com. They have a wide selection of diaper bag and backpack styles with features you're sure to love. Their latest addition, the Parker Convertible Backpack Plus Bed, combines a multifunctional diaper bag with features like an insulated bottle station, extra strong stroller straps, wet and dry compartments, waterproof exterior, and an easy-to-reach USB charging port. But it also transforms into a portable baby bed. Learn more about it at CammieandKel.com. That's K-A-M-I and K-E-L dot com. Welcome, everyone, to Mystery, a podcast about myths and history. I am one of your hosts, Bryant, with my permanent guest, Cammie. Hey there, Cammie. Hey, Bryant. How's it going? Uh, fantastic. How are you? I'm good, too. This is the, the last episode of October uh, of, the, of the main sort of features. Hopefully, we'll have another podcast, Magnus, but this is the, the end of our Spooktober stuff. It's bittersweet. Uh, I'm... It's been really fun, though. This has been a really cool... It's been a really weird Halloween, of course, with everything. But sure. it's been really fun going over everything. So um, I'm glad that we're here. But it's it's sad. It's sad. It'll be fun to get into the November stuff, though. We've got some cool things set up. Um, who's who's your friend hiding behind you, Cammie? What's going on there on that plain wall that you have? That had? is Parth Vader. And he's a very good friend of mine. He gave me this poster. He even signed it. I don't know if you can see that. It's in this corner. I can't, right but I believe you. Um, so <laughs> he gave it to me for like my birthday last year. And oh, wow. I was going to put it up, but you know, COVID. So stop and poster hangings like down 300%, <laughs> if I remember right, on the NPR yeah. <laughs> poll. Yeah. No, that's great. No, well, no, I was going to hang it in our studio. Oh, yeah. But we don't that's have true. that anymore. <laughs> no no workspace our homes are that's great well no it's nice i've been i've been uh bagging badgering? On you to put, badgering there you go bagging badgering <laughs> uh some animal uh you to put something up on your wall so it's great that's really really good so uh cammy mystery we're here if if you're brand new we are a, a show that's been around for just over a year now that likes to take famous uh, tales and legends and stories and then we like to present that story to you in a fun format uh, some kind of a write-up and then we'll talk about it today we're continuing on with these the spooky theme so we we had three spooky episodes for October they all had a, a sort of a, a unsolved mystery sort of theme to them and we are definitely continuing that with the very famous now we've done one jack here's our second jack well but it's same time period pretty much this is uh, jack the ripper of course everyone knows we did uh spring hill jack that was a really fun one um early on in the uh, pandemic but this is a different jack same same place industrial era england uh much more gruesome though spring hill jack was just 
jumped around 10 feet and scared you and maybe maybe punched you. Jack the Ripper didn't do that. He was much worse. I would argue that this is the Jack. Right, yeah. And we, we talked about it on the Spring Hill Jack episode that the the Jack name, it's it's just one of those like media things, you know? Like it's it's sort of like a John Doe name. Like you just kind of – Jack. You, you, there's And there's tons of Jacks. There's a lot of Jacks uh, in the mythos, especially in England's – I don't know, spooky circles. So this, but this is, I mean, this is extremely well known. Um, I have to, I, I, you know, I always have to mention something uh, media related and I'll, I'll never forget that there was a really, so you know, um, Spring Hill Jack was, I, I got inspired to do that because I was playing Assassin's Creed Syndicate, the 1800s one. Right. Which was pretty fun. And they even do have a Jack the Ripper story. I never played it, actually, unfortunately. It takes place after the game. I think that game. was, like, DLC you mm-hmm. got when you pre-ordered, maybe? Yeah, or you, you just bought it. Oh, um, okay. And, but I, I I couldn't finish the game. I just wasn't enjoying it. But I did enjoy Spring Hill Jack. But um, Jack the Ripper, yeah, he's in, he's in the game. And they I heard they, they do a cool job with it. But there's, um, there's a, uh, you know, there's there's famous Sherlock Holmes games uh, for the computer. And I remember um, when I was working retail, it, there was like a pop-up in our, our upcoming listings, and it was a game called Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper. And oh, yeah, for it's the a real 360. game. It's, yeah, it's in and PC and stuff, and it's a real game. And Wasn't it's, that it's, Frogware? Probably, yeah. It, it was yeah. kind of the traditional point and clicks. I just remember I looked at the name, and it, it had like VS for versus, you know, and I was like, is that a fighting game? <laughs> and so ever since like i don't know what that was 2010 or something like that ever since then i've just always wished that they would make a fighting game where it was like sherlock holmes like street fighter or tekken versus jack the ripper and like sherlock holmes has to find like facts and stuff and then like attack jack the ripper who's just throwing knives oh like and... phoenix right in uh, marvel versus Capcom. yes yeah that was a really cool one yeah yeah just like that that's what i would really love so um yeah, that's my fun little anecdote for Jack the Ripper. I, I, the games are, if if you're so inclined, the games are apparently, they're not bad. I mean, they're pretty standard, like, PC adventure games, you know, the Sherlock Holmes stuff. They've done some cool I, stuff I now. will warn you, like, some of the Sherlock Holmes that Frogware did, uh, they don't download the files correctly, and you get stuck, and you can't move your character. Sounds like <laughs> so, old, old PC yeah. games. Yeah, that's yep. fun. Anyway, well... Cammy, I know you were very excited to talk about this with your demented mind. Uh, so please <laughs> I'll open up your mind to us. Let's let's dive in. <laughs> sure. So I used several Wikipedia entries um, on the victims and the uh, infamous Jack the Ripper letter, uh, the From Hell letter. Um, and I used uh, Precedent.com, the Jack the Ripper timeline. So our story begins with another letter from perhaps the devil himself. From hell, Mr. Luster, I send you half the kidney I took from one woman and preserved it for you. The other piece I fried and ate. It was very nice. I may send you the bloody knife that I took out if you only wait a while longer. Signed, catch me if you can, Mr. Lusk. George Lusk had found himself the chairman of the Whitechapel uh, Vigilance Committee, formed to find the slayer of women, 
haunting London's streets. He offered a substantial award to anyone with information about the killer's identity. So he received many letters. This was the only one which seemed authentic. One thing I will point out about the letter is it was not, nothing was spelled correctly. So I actually tripped up the first time I was trying to read it. Um, so if Bryant, if Bryant forgets to edit that, that's why. So <laughs> the murders began on Friday, August 31st, 1888. Mary Ann Nichols was born in Soho and married at the age of 18. She had five children with her husband until their separation. With no way to make income of her own, she turned to sex work. The unfortunate lady was out on a balmy summer night that the man, who would soon be known as Jack the Ripper, decided to claim his first victim. She was walking down Bucks Row in Whitechapel when a man approached her and cut her throat. She was found at 3.45 a.m. by a driver who had noticed the woman slumped over in front of a doorway. The police were baffled, but there were two previous attacks which seemed close to this one. While the weapon that was used was different, the cruelty was similar. Eliza Ann Smith was then attacked on September 8th, 1888. She, by all accounts, had a happy life until the death of her eldest daughter, who was the eldest of, three, of the three children she had. Her life spiraled and she left her husband and became a sex worker. After being tossed out of her home for failure to pay rent, she was spe seen speaking to a man at 5.30 a.m., and by 5.55, her mutilated body was found in the street by a landowner. Then, on September 29th, Elizabeth Stride was found dead with a long cut on her throat that almost severed her spine. She was born in Sweden and moved to England for a better life. She found a husband, but the marriage didn't last long, and her alcoholism drove her second husband away. She met a man at the pub the night of her murder. He was seen leaving with her, but was never identified. Many people speculate that the fact that they could only find one cut on her meant that Jack was startled and had to make a quick getaway before he was caught. The very next day, perhaps because his bloodlust was not satisfied, Jack took another victim, Catherine Eddowes, who had divorced her husband eight years prior. She was a well-known sex worker in the Whitechapel scene. <clears throat> she had even been in jail for roaming around London in the throes of whiskey, pretending to be a fire engine just one night before the attack. This was one of the more gruesome murders. He had plenty of time to mutilate her, cutting off her nose and ears and possibly removing some organs, although that could have happened during the autopsy due to the black market trade. The final known victim was Mary Jane, who hailed from Ireland. Her husband had been killed, so she had to make ends meet in the busy streets of London. On November 9th, 1888, she was found in her room completely unrecognizable from the injuries she sustained. The police described the state of her corpse as being more like the work of the devil than a man. While the killing seemed to stop after this, we do not know if the killer had finally satisfied his bloodlust, or if he was caught for another crime and locked away, or if he moved on to another port of call and continued to spree elsewhere. What we do know is his legacy of violence has captured the dark imaginations of us all for centuries. This is um, very, <clears throat> it's interesting, We, you know, the was it the first one? No, the second one was the New Orleans, right? Axe murderer? Yes. And uh, 
they're not too far apart from each other, you know, um, early 20th century. And this is the late 19th century. And it, it's that, it's that joke where that John Mulaney joke where it's just like without for the, the modern forensics that we have, it's just insane. And how packed and how busy these new urban centers were. It's absolutely wild. I, I, I meant to mention this and I'll mention it now because just, just at the top, um, if you really want a good book to read right now, uh, that'll make you feel kind of smart. The, there's a book called the ghost map by, um, Stephen Berlin Johnson. And it's, it's about a cholera outbreak that happened in, um, Victorian London. And, it, and it's it's the same sort of time period. It's a really cool one because of it, it parallels a lot to what the what's going on in the pandemic right now. But it also just kind of informs you. And when I I have started reading it after we had done the Spring Hill Jack episode, but it it kind of gives it really gives you an idea of 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 how busy these places were and how crazy packed they were and and how 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 I don't want to say easy. But how believable it is that we just don't know who Jack the Ripper is. Like we just and, and these these murders happened and stuff like that. Um, now, getting into these murders, and I mean, everyone's pretty aware of them. Uh, these happened in the late 1880s, early 1890s, and there were there. There's like the canonical five, and then there's like a sixth one. The canonical five all like have the most. Uh, they're extremely similar in in the pattern of how it happened and so they believe that 100 percent that those were all connected they they just they uh people think that maybe the the fifth one or the sixth one might not have been because it was a little different but yeah we we don't know who did it, it it's it's really similar to the axe murder of new orleans where there's uh a similar space and and like just like in new orleans it was a very like I mean it was it was a, the 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 map that I remember seeing in the article the the murders were all very close and these were all within a mile of each other so talk about close and they were extremely similar um the the crazy thing I think though is is the mutilation aspect of it and how like crazy this guy went with them or this person went with them because they were all like all it was all women that were targeted and it was all like yeah he, he did he did weird mutilations um organ removal it was extreme and, and uh, you know, he targeted uh women who were in sex work and and even i think there was one that was reported wasn't a sec wasn't into that field who was elizabeth stride but i think even even so i think she was like considered a, a casual sex worker i might be wrong on my notes there um i'm looking i'm trying to look back i feel like um yeah, it didn't say that she was a sex worker in the information I got. It, like, didn't specifically say that. Okay. Um, so um, she was kind of destitute, though, because of um, her alcoholism. Yeah, that's right. And, no, and here, I, I remember where I read it. So it's it's through Wikipedia they mentioned. She was, like, mainly a house cleaner. Um, but they, they mentioned in her occupation as a, a casual prostitute is the term that they use. And so, so even in this world, you know, money's so hard to come by, work's so hard to come by. So even if you're like a house cleaner by occupation, you've still got to like essentially 
do sex work to to get by um i'll mention another book series i I talk about bernard cornwell all the time for the last kingdom series and he has a a really good books uh series called the sharp uh series and that's set in the napoleonic wars and he goes back to england a few times and the main character he's a a kind of a from the gutter goes into the ranks of the officer uh becomes an officer and things like that but when he's when he's in the gutter i mean it, it just like the ghost map it shows you how like how perilous it is like how how when you're like in certain parts it, i mean it's it's you're not gonna survive like um the ghost map talks about the the the, the book starts there there's people like sifting through the river thames and okay. they're pulling like so there, there there were these people that would pull um bones and other materials out of the river i mean it was it was disgusting that's how cholera uh wait how did around. the bones get in the river <laughs> Uh, yeah exactly um so they would they would pull <laughs> out bones and other other like useful things and sell them sell these like raw materials and uh i mean it was it was just absolutely was horror. it like human bones human dog animal yeah all sorts of stuff and they would they would get all this stuff so yeah i just i want to i really want to paint a picture of this you know the 1890s and this, the, the cholera outbreak stuff was in the 1830s and 50s or between that time period, I believe. So we're, we're a little earlier, but again, so that's like another 50 years of urbanization and stuff. So just, just realize how dense this is, you know, like think like you, you think of 1920s New York and stuff like that. It's like that, but like just even, even kind of more almost. So the urbanization of it all. And so these murders all within a, a mile um, and similar to the Axeman of New Orleans, uh, tons of letters were sent to the police, um, like the one Cammy kind of talked about. Uh, and that's just like the Axeman. I, I think that's how it kind of happened. The, the, the moniker Jack the Ripper came from a letter, uh, which, which totally couldn't have been. I mean, we, we have no evidence that it was sent um, from that. And, and what's interesting, a lot of this evidence is actually still like locked up in Scotland Yard for anonymity's sake and uh, uh, investigation sake and stuff like that so yeah it's it's kind of interesting um we there there it's hard to understand what some of the motivations were um there were uh one thing there was a famous chalk message left at a scene that um was anti-semitic and but yeah again you don't know if that was the, the killer you, you just don't know i i mean there, it, there was... it could have been there right you know? yeah that's very true that's like i didn't um think of that and so it's it's really tough and and like I, as i'm you know mentioning the ghost map and the richard sharp stuff and, and just kind of trying to set the scene i i mean it wasn't it was not uncommon for people to to come up dead it was not uncommon i mean um we uh it was a History.com, I think it was, was was a great source on this. They had a really nice write-up. And they mentioned this woman, Emma Smith, who was was beaten to death um, by extortion gangs um, for protection money and stuff like that. And and that so these these things were very common. I mean it was it was very a, a very ruthless place. And I I, I think that again, th- this was just so important though, because of the nature of the crime, because of how how just gross it was and how it wasn't it wasn't just uh, a, a sex worker got roughed up. It wasn't, you know, that it was, it wasn't 
extortion gangs went too far. It was it was very targeted, and and the scenes were extremely gruesome. Like uh, you can see, you know, the images of of uh, I think all the victims. Um, they took pictures and stuff like that, and it's just really interesting. So, um, yeah, uh, and, and according, uh, in 2011, London officers had refused to give files. Um, they included protected information about police informants and stuff like that. So I thought that was really interesting. That How are police informants protected after they're dead? I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. So there was... Do you think that's indicative of it being someone that was extremely powerful? I don't know. I I don't think so. I... I Yeah, there, there was. There's a ton of like conspiracy theories of, and, and even back then there were of it being like a, um, you know, uh, royalty and stuff like that being involved. And I just feel like you wouldn't be that dumb if you know. I, there's so many. Right. <laughs> it's the 1890s. Like there's so many easy ways to do this uh, without being making such a scene and stuff like that. So, um, one big thing though was uh this this dna analysis thing and it's there's this polish immigrant aaron kaminsky who was actually uh, i think he was suspected at the time because he he had a lot going on um he, he was not a very stable person and i think he had been uh committed a few times and stuff like that he was a barber so they kind of like say that that's where he got the talents and stuff like that um what it was was there was a, a 126-year-old shawl that had DNA evidence on it that was found. And the way it was found was that a sergeant went on the scene and of, of one of the murders. And he, he comes up and this just kind of shows you like, yeah, yeah Sergeant Amos Simpson on the scene, uh, the second worker in an hour to be found dead. Um, he, he, he sees, and this is, is yeah, this is history.com. Um, he sees a lovely shawl, uh, that surely his seamstress wife would love despite having a little blood on it. That's the history.com's word. I love this. So like, that's just, the John Mulaney joke. <laughs> I know. Sergeant Amos, he's walking on the scene. It's early. Oh, another one. One of these, you know, ladies is killed and it's gruesome. And he's like, ugh. I've got to work. And then he's like, oh, that's beautiful. And he's like, <laughs> so he, he looks at his his uh, commanding, you know, sergeant or whatever, his officer, and he's like, could I have that? And, and he's like, oh, I go on then. Um, the missus would love it. Uh, and 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 he so that he literally like he he sees this pretty shawl and he's like, well, she's not going to need it. And um, <laughs> and he nicks it. And then his wife is like, what the hell? <laughs> Um, and, and she, but, but it's weird cause she says, what the hell? Like, no. And then she just locks it up. So she doesn't like throw it away, you know, like she just, she doesn't get rid of it. They lock it up. So th- there's, yeah, mitochondrial, there's a little bit on it. Uh, mitochondrial DNA taken from the shawl matched that taken from Karen Miller, a direct descendant of Edo's, one of the victims. Um, Kaminsky was a primary subject. Uh, Kaminsky, um yeah he was committed and he died of gangrene in 1919 he was he was so he he was a very troubled person um he i think attacked uh matilda 
what like it, they're, they're, it's it's very loose the strains that kind of connect everything and there's a ton of sensationalist articles that kind of came from this you can see how it was milked um the history article history.com article mentioned that the lab analysis uh wasn't peer-reviewed wasn't published in a journal uh, mitochondrial DNA, which is passed down from the mothers to children, offers much less of a unique identifier than nuclear DNA. Many people share similar mitochondrial DNA. Um, and some refute that the Sergeant Amos was even there and that the shawl could have been contaminated with this at any time. So, again, it, yeah, you think... It was, was that, like, his barber or something? No, I don't think that that was the connection. I think it was that, like, a victim's uh, relative saw... Commits Kaczynski, and and that was sort of the connection there. Um, there's also uh, some connections found on uh, DNA samples from some of the letters that were sent to Scotland Yard, uh, which are connected to a painter, a post-impressionist painter, um, and even saliva on the letters determined that. Uh, uh, yeah, there was a 2006 study where an Australian scientist found that some saliva on the letters was from that of a woman. So. Ooh. Right. Intriguing. Bathory strikes again. No. Um, <laughs> so I, I just, I love this, this, the Sergeant Amos story, just like seeing that shawl and being like, that's a nice shawl. My wife would love that's that. That's really good. I love the fire um, truck, like the woman being so drunk that she's pretending to be a fire truck in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> but so you, you, you kind of see how, it's not just difficult because of it being in the 1890s. It's it's kind of a, it's 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 surprising that we were able to get so much evidence that there you know Scotland Yard is withholding evidence in 2011 um, to the public. But it's it's just it's really interesting to see that we do have so much to go off of. And what I I think one thing that's really it's it's terrible that these women were murdered especially in the way that they were but we know so much about them now you know history commonly overlooks these these normal people these like just regular people but they're sometimes some of the most interesting and and like Kazminsky even and the, the alleged subject about uh, people who who did it and learning about these people I mean if you go to their Wikipedia pages it's it's gonna like the the main picture is usually the picture of them dead after or on the scene even but well i don't think cameras weren't around but for maybe what 30 or 40 years before that happened right right yeah but there are there are some i mean they're they're gruesome so watch out um but there are some photos that you can see but it's i think it one it's just the one thing that makes the ghost map really cool that that book is because the author really did dig down and and in fact the the hero of the ghost map of solving the cholera outbreak is the the people who paid attention to the details the minor details of it all i mean it really is like collar in in that book i i really really gotta recommend reading it it's it's it it makes you feel like you're like a a epid epid how do you say the word epidemiologist epidemiologist thank you and and it, and it just it's it's almost like a mystery novel too because this you know miasma theory was the thing then and so they think like you just you you you're breathing the bad air go ahead and cut your thigh bleed it and you'll be okay <laughs> and so working against 
And, and again, it parallels to the, the pandemic um, so well with with people not believing science or being st- stuck in certain pits. And, and so working against that, and I just imagine, I, 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 I would love to see if there's a book that kind of goes on that as far as Jack the Ripper. I wonder if there were people in that time that were really trying or if they were all just like Sergeant Amos and they were like, ooh, that's a nice show. Um, <laughs> like how, how well were they doing their jobs, you know? But the cool thing is, again, though, that we, we do have really detailed information about the canonical five or all, all six of them. It's just a shame we really don't know anything beyond that, essentially. Um, the 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 Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, I think you mentioned, uh, there were some cool things there. Um, there's also really cool connections between media and crime journalism. The the Ripper murders, they uh, analysts sort of and and uh, historians, journalism historians and things like that believe really changed everything because in the 1890s, um, you know, we're we're more interconnected than ever. News can get out faster than ever. And the way journalists approached the murders became different. He wasn't the first serial killer, but it was the first case that really created a worldwide frenzy and, and had the capacity to, like we had the ability to. So it was, it was really a perfect storm and a perfect storm to spread misinformation. And, and that's one reason why we have so many things we don't know and suspects and things like that because it's so easy to, to – cast your net out you know if there's not that many avenues to, to research it's really easy to kind of get down to the the bottom of it but there's there's so you're, you're in this heavily packed urban area tons of journalists and these people are trying to sell you think about what kind of sensationalistic crap that they can just pump out and you know for whatever they can like like penny you know uh journalism and but but it's it's so it's, it's a duality of of this awesome information age, creating a worldwide media frenzy, crime journalism, but then also the, the kind of the backhand of that, of e- either knowingly or unknowingly spreading misinformation to get clicks, air quotes, uh, people buying your you know little little things. So it's wild. Um, one, there, there's a, a few bits of, of legacy that were mentioned um, that these murders and things like that did help sort of prompt a uh a crisis to to fix the slums basically to to improve conditions and so it you know it's uh i don't blessing in disguise i think would be kind of a, a bad way to put it but it did help prompt to improve conditions and just make things make it not easier to murder people basically and throw their body in the thames or something like that but it's it's really wild. I mean, we we know the the legacy. We we know how important and impactful it is. Tons of spinoffs, tons of media things. Um, just like Spring Hill Jack, Jack the Ripper kind of became a bit of a boogeyman. So if your kids didn't, you know, shut up, you'd tell them Jack was going to get them. Uh, and it, yeah, I mean, so it it's it's extremely important. We definitely know why. And I just I think it's just a great glimpse of of the time, and one thing I'd like everyone to take away is is to, is to look into the those who were murdered, um, the canonical five, and the and the sixths. It's it's they've got some really cool stories, and it's a, a really good insight in 
this time period, the late 19th century in uh, London. So I think that's it for me. Cammy, how you feeling? <laughs> Do you feel smart? I no, I mean, I don't really have much to add. Um, I do want to say that there are some theories out there that he may have moved or been a, like a sailor, mm. um, uh, may have gone to different ports. And you see like some, uh, even some murders in America that, that look very similar. Uh, mm. Infamously, the uh, servant girl annihilator in Austin, Texas. And then there were some murders in New York as well that looked very similar to this oh, that's um cool. yeah the murders in new york that guy was caught i don't remember his name he's like a german immigrant mm. or something but he was he happened to be uh on the ship like in london at the time of each of the murders oh. so there's like some connections there and yeah stuff. and he could have picked up a paper that you know had been pumped out talking about them and that could have scratched the itch in his head that prompted him to move in the way he yeah. did so yeah, it's it's just wild. Um and there's there's a ton there. I, I I'm sure there's tons of documentaries that kind of cover it and things like that. I again I I feel bad. I, I never I, I I've never been like inclined to learn more about Jack the Ripper. I mean we we've gone over some of the big stuff and the DNA thing was the big thing. So if if you have a recommendation on anything that's really good as far as Jack the Ripper goes. Um, please let us know. Uh, Peter actually hmm. let me borrow uh, from Hell the graphic novel, oh, okay. um, which they also made a movie with Johnny Depp. Is that about uh, Jack? That one. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually really good. Okay. Like, um, the movie is the way it's filmed. It's it's similar to a graphic novel. The way it's filmed, oh, like cool. the shots and stuff. Yeah. It's kind of it's like like the Buffy treatment yeah. is what I would call it. That's awesome. Um, yeah, but the the graphic novel is really good. Yeah. Too. that's really good well uh i'll i have to say it again um the ghost map by stephen berlin johnson i was completely like taken away with how good this is and it, it's it was uh published in 2006 and i think the version i listened to it on audiobook and i think it got like a a re-release or amended or something like that something was added to it it it's it's really good it's not too long it it it's it's wild and and the ending of it's very ominous because it talks about um the biggest threats to sort of like modern societies cities and urbanization and it's just kind of it's very fitting for right now so i i would really really encourage you like i um i listen to it through uh library app free library app hoopla the audiobook excellent really 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 good so i i was gonna plug this back during the spring hill jack episode but i i couldn't quite make it work <laughs> maybe i didn't want sure. to because of how <laughs> terrible things were because that, that was what back in april or may or something like that right but uh now that we've all accepted our fates i think it's a, a fitting way to go so um well everyone thank you for joining us and listening we hope you enjoyed the the spooktober episodes take a listen to last year's episodes too i was looking through and listening through them the vlad the impaler one and stuff and it was really fun uh, if you need some more spooky content before this uh, month ends, uh, we've got a lot going on in November and December. Um, in uh, well, just some great episodes. We've got some great guests that are going to be coming in to help us regale some stories. Um, Cami, what is happening at the end of November? 
So yes, the Indie Pods United uh, convention, and we are going to be on the last day. So it's November 29th through December 3rd, and we are going to be on uh, December 3rd that night. I believe it's the 8 p.m. slot Eastern. Yes. Um, and then, yeah, and then we've got, so that's Indie Pods. We're really excited. It's a nice new thing that's going on. And then uh, we, you know, we if you remember in august we did the pod vcon um that we've got to meet a lot of new people and show off our suburban legends and that yeah we'll be doing that as well um where the sunday is that what we are i think it's i, <laughs> I want to say it's it down. december 9th i yeah I, i'm not sure it's the fourth through the sixth and we're that Sunday. Or December 6th then, I think. Yeah. yeah in the morning so you you can uh, all the details will be up on our facebook page um so uh, please join us there. I put links, updated links in our episode notes. So click there to join us on Twitter, YouTube. You can watch Cammy and I talking. Um, and of course, oh, I didn't get Instagram up there too. So uh, all that fun stuff. But uh, let us know if you have any suggestions, if you think we missed something or need to correct something. We're more than happy to kind of go over that stuff. So I think that does it. And get your uh, get your mask, your yeah story mask your mask at, and uh, your threadless. skateboard yep <laughs> mystery.threadless.com you can buy merch from us like skateboards and pen cases and all sorts and of t-shirts stuff. And, and t-shirts. normal yes, stuff yeah. too sorry yeah mugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome candy wool thank you for everything today uh thank you everyone for joining us we will see you all next time oh, oh.